Welcome to the podcast of Seven Rivers Presbyterian Church in Lakanto, Florida. Our passion is to be a church that enjoys God, experiences His grace, and reflects His love to our community and beyond. To join our local body in financial support of this ministry, visit our website at sevenrivers.org. We have this sermon and one more sermon, so two sermons left in our series, Love Walked Among Us. And after uh, next weekend, we'll start for the summer a series on the book of Ecclesiastes. And some of you might be thinking, I, I didn't know that was in the Bible, Ecclesiastes, or, or what is that about? I can't only know if I could give you a summary of the book of Ecclesiastes. You're not alone. It's a, uh, it's a book that isn't really looked at much. Um, but is packed full of uh, just amazing wisdom and insight. And we're going to talk about the search for meaning uh, from the book of Ecclesiastes. So that'll be fun for us this summer. But this morning, we're going to continue with uh, Love Walked Among Us. And I'm going to read from John chapter 15, the first 17 verses. So if you want to follow along in your Bible or on the screen, John 15, verses 1 uh, through 17. So if you're willing and able, would you stand? We'll give our attention to God's Word. Eleven times in seven verses, Jesus is going to use the word abide. Abide. It's a word that's not really, we've been singing it in the service, but it's a word that we're not really used to using in our everyday vernacular. So when you hear the word abide, I want you to think um, remain or dwell or live or make your home. That's what abide means. Remain, dwell, live, make your home. Um, So hear from God's word, hear what Jesus says, John chapter 15, starting at verse one. I am, Jesus says, the true vine, and my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away, and every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers, and the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. By this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love." If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be full. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. No longer do I call you servants, For the servant does not know what his master is doing, but I have called you friends. 
For all that I have heard from my Father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit, and that your fruit should abide, so that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give it to you. These things I command you, so that you will love one another. Jesus, thank you for speaking to us. Thank you for your words. Lord, would your words abide in us this morning? Would you abide in us? Would you draw us close to yourself? And would you change us? We pray in your very precious name, amen. All right, please be seated. We are wired, we are made for intimacy. We're made for intimacy. Elon Musk has been in the news a lot lately uh, as one who's um, doing um, some pretty incredible things, uh, getting people uh, back into space and, and other stuff. And um, he's the only, one, the only person in the world who's started four separate billion-dollar companies. But back in 2017, after a divorce and after a breakup with his actress girlfriend, uh, Elon said to Rolling Stone, being in an empty house and no footsteps echoing through the hallways, no one ever there, how do you make yourself happy in a situation like that? When I was a child, there was one thing I said, I never want to be alone. I never want to be alone. New York Times columnist David Brooks went around the country interviewing students at the most prestigious colleges uh, in America. Um, and this was his summary from those interviews. He said, I came away from these conversations struck by pervasive but subtle hunger for a change in the emotional tenor of life. We're more connected, but we're more apart, one student lamented. Again and again, students expressed a hunger for social and emotional bonding, for a shift from guilt and accusation toward empathy. How do you create relationship, one student asked. That may be the longing that undergirds all others. We long for intimacy. We long for connection. We long for something deep and true. Our culture offers um, substitutes, cheap substitutes for intimacy. And if we're honest, we know that they'd leave us just feeling more empty than we began. Many people turn to uh, indecent things online, things of the X-rated variety. For those with extra money, there are companies that will set up a whole film based on a scene or a scenario of your desires. They will um, write the storyline, rent the sets, hire the actors, shoot it, and send it to you. A guy named Dan runs one of these companies, and late one night, he got a request by an email. The person said, I want a woman to sit fully clothed on the floor. I want her to look into the camera, and I want her to say, you are loved. Things are bad now, but they won't always be. Suicide is not the answer. And they actually filmed it. 
They tried to make it as beautifully as they could. And the actress that they hired to to do that said that uh, even to this day, when she thinks about it, she cries. I was eating lunch with a guy this week. We were talking about our relationship with our dads, which with any guy, to bring something like that up is a sensitive uh, topic. And I was telling him about this book that I bought many years ago. It was this small book just called Questions for My Father. Uh, a, a guy um, just wrote a book filled with nothing but questions that he wished he had asked his dad when he had the chance. Um, we long uh, for intimacy. Um, we look for it in all kinds of uh, places. We're made for deep, heart-level, emotional connection. Um, and yet it seems to constantly slip through our grasp. And into that longing that we have, the Bible actually says something that's so shockingly good, it's almost unbelievable, that God wants to be intimate with you. The creator of the universe, the, the, the ruler of the world, the one who is holy and pure and just, wants to abide with you, dwell with you, live with you, make his home with you. Abide in me, Jesus said. It's graduation season, right? And we had seven members graduation there. All the other schools will be graduating. Colleges are graduating. And um, so, so students are launching out into the next uh, part of their lives. David Kinneman and Mark Matlock have surveyed thousands of millennials, young men and women between the ages of 18 and 29, uh, people who uh, grew up professing faith in Jesus, who went to church, who went to Christian school, and um, they uh, um, have now, uh, they're, they're asking them to see, do they, are they still following Jesus, or have they abandoned their faith? And, and they found uh, that the number one indicator, the number one characteristic of a young adult who still had a vibrant, fulfilling, relevant faith is intimacy with Jesus. Intimacy with Jesus. That those who had it said things like this, I believe living in relationship with Jesus is the only way to find fulfillment in life. My relationship with Jesus brings me deep joy and satisfaction. Following Jesus shapes my whole life, body, mind, heart, and soul. My relationship with Jesus impacts the way I live my life every day. Are those statements true of you? Have you experienced intimacy? Are you experiencing intimacy with Jesus? Abide. Eleven times in seven verses, Jesus uses the word abide in our passage, but also eight times in five verses, he uses the word love. Abide and love are peppered through John 15 because love and intimacy always go together. If you want to learn how to love, if you want to be better at love, then you have to experience true intimacy. So take your sermon outline, it's on the inside cover of your bulletin, and let's talk about intimacy with Jesus. First, intimacy with Jesus, the barrier. 
You know, just like we experience barriers to intimacy in, in other areas and relationships uh, in our lives, there is a barrier to our intimacy with Jesus. There's something that keeps us from being able to go there, to connect, and it's called sin. Sin is the barrier um, that is between us and Jesus. Adam and Eve had perfect intimacy. They had perfect fellowship with God and with one another. The Bible says God and Adam worked together. They named the animals together. Uh, Adam and Eve were naked and unashamed. There was no fear of knowing or being known all the way down completely. Perfect intimacy. But then Adam and Eve sinned against God. They rebelled against him. And immediately a barrier to intimacy went up. After they sinned, Genesis 3.8 says, they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. Instead of perfect open intimacy, now there was guilt. There was hiding and shame. All of us have inherited Adam and Eve's sin, and we've all then done the same things and sinned ourselves. Now there is a barrier that keeps us from experiencing intimacy with God. I love the way Paul Miller illustrates it. He says this, he writes, God has called his human children to form a great circle where we all stand, arms linked together, facing toward the light in the center, which is God himself. We should see our fellow creatures standing around that central love that shines on us and illuminates our faces and join with them in the dance of God, the rhythm of love. But instead of choosing to face the center, we've turned our backs on God and on each other and faced the other way so that we can neither see the light at the center nor the faces in the circle. Instead of enjoying God and each other, we play our own selfish little game, each one wanting to be the center. No longer do we understand God or ourselves. The light of God still shines from the true center upon our backs, though not on our faces. Because we were created for something better, we are dimly aware that all is not well. We don't feel our separation from God, but we feel its effects, a sense of deadness, of alienation, of profound loneliness, of cosmic emptiness. Without God's love to satisfy us, we try to fill the hole in our lives with happy vacations, new lovers, work, and children. But with each one, we come away empty. Our longing tells us that we were designed for something better. We long to return to the circle of the Father's love. In the Old Testament, um, the people of God were often pictured as a vineyard that God had planted. And it was their responsibility as a, as a vineyard. You know, why do you plant vineyards? To produce fruit, to bear fruit. Um, but over and over again, the people of God are pictured because of their sin as a vineyard that is unfruitful. Um, the people, rather than seeking intimacy with God, sought intimacy with idols. Uh, and so in Isaiah 5, it says, my beloved had a vineyard on a very fertile hill. He dug it, he cleared it of stones, he planted it with choice vines, he built a watchtower in the midst of it, he hewed out a wine vat in it, and he looked for it to yield grapes, but it yielded wild grapes. On the doors of the temple in Jesus' day, plated in gold uh, was a vine uh, with fruit, this picture of what the people of God were 
supposed to be. It was into this context that Jesus said, I am the true vine. By saying he was the true vine, he was, he was reminding the people that they had been untrue in their relationship with God, that there was a barrier to the intimacy for which they were made, and that they needed a way for that barrier to be removed and intimacy restored. In order for that to happen, someone had to initiate. You know, when, when you have a relationship uh, and two, two people uh, are at odds, uh, whenever there's a lack of intimacy, someone has to take the first step. Someone has to initiate. So that's the second point. Jesus is the initiator. In this intimacy with him, Jesus is the initiator. The Bible says no one seeks after God. Um, No one in their sin moves toward him. He initiates. He seeks us. He does what is necessary to repair the relationship and restore intimacy. Jesus said, I am the true vine. Jesus was saying, I am the true Israel. Uh, There was no barrier between himself and the Father. He said, I am in the Father and the Father is in me. The Father and I are one. Jesus was faithful and Jesus was fruitful. His life produced the perfect righteousness that God required. Jesus said, as my Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Jesus loved us when we were unlovely. He pursued us when we were running in the opposite direction. And he demonstrated his love tangibly Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. 1 John 4.19 says, we love because he first initiated, loved us. Jesus is the initiator. I was teaching a class Wednesday night not too long ago, um, and uh, the class ended, and a woman came up, and she had tears in her eyes. She said, I I just have to tell you... um, you know, uh, 2020 has been, I think for most people, they would say one of the worst years of their lives. Uh, I mean, I think that's generally understood. Um, but she said, uh, for me, it's been the best year of my life because God came after me. Jesus found me. He, he used uh, my neighbor to bring me to church and now I have a relationship with him. She said, 2020 wasn't the worst year of my life. It's, it's the best year. Jesus, the initiator. Uh, we've been telling you about a show uh, called The Chosen, and it just struck me um, as I was thinking about this, just the title of that show. It's not called The Disciples. It's not called The Followers of Jesus or The First Christians. It's called The Chosen. That was their identity. They were chosen. LeBron James started a school called the I Promise School in Akron, Ohio, where he grew grew up. Uh, And so I started this school and went into the public school system and said, I want the kids who, um, the worst kids, I want the the kids who are in the bottom 10th percent. Uh, these, These are the kids who, at eight years old, in second and third grade, uh, they, people had already given up on them had already determined that there's no way they're gonna even graduate from elementary school, let alone middle school, high school, uh, college. Said, I want those kids. And so I started this school 
And, uh, and these kids now, um, when they come to school, uh, they're, they're greeted, and uh, this, the, the teachers there are cheering them on. And, uh, and, and they walk through the hallways singing, um, We Are Family. And, uh, um, and, and why are they there? They're there because of LeBron James' accomplishments. They're there because of um, what uh, he has accomplished in his means and his abilities. Uh, and do you know what those kids call themselves? They call themselves the chosen ones. Jesus said, you did not choose me, I chose you. Those kids that in that school, they're, they're, they're uh, accelerating and they're learning at, I think, faster than 99% of the kids in the other uh, schools uh, in uh, Akron. It's beautiful um, when someone initiates and chooses us. Jesus is the initiator. Because of Jesus' initiation, because of his work, through faith by the Holy Spirit, we are united to him. We are in Christ. Jesus said, I am the vine and you are the branches. There is no salvation, there is no life outside of Christ. Paul says, like wild olive shoots, we've been grafted in to Jesus. Uh, all the commentators I read said that uh, this language of I'm the vine and you're the branches is um, more intimate even than when Jesus says, I am the shepherd and you're the sheep. I mean, we think like shepherd, sheep, like he holds us and it's really this intimate thing, but, but it's actually more intimate because Jesus says, I am in you and you are in me. You're connected to me. We have this vital uh, relationship. You're united. Jesus said, abide in me, abide in my love. Remember we said abide means, it means to dwell, to remain, to live, to make your home. Abiding is all about resting and staying. It's a posture of utter dependency. Jesus said, depart from me, you can do nothing. So abide in me, rest in me. In a sense, stop your doing, stop your trying, just rest, be at home. And yet at the same time, abide is a command. Abide is something that Jesus tells us we must do. We are both to enjoy and to cultivate intimacy with Jesus. Dallas Willard loved to say, grace is not opposed to effort, it is opposed to earning. Grace is not opposed to effort, it is opposed to earning. Jesus earns it. He breaks down the barrier, he restores intimacy, but there is still effort. There is still something for us to do. Abide in me, abide in my love. The old theologians used the word labor. John Calvin said, let us labor more to feel Christ living in us. John Owen, labor to fill your hearts with the cross of Christ. Jonathan Edwards, we should labor to be continually growing in divine love. Rankin Wilburn was our summer conference speaker, speaker a couple years ago. In his book, Union with Christ, he writes this. He says, life with God is not like a motorboat where we are in control of the power and the direction, but neither is it like a raft where we just sit back and are carried along. It's like sailing 
While we can't control the most important thing, the wind that makes us move, that doesn't mean there's nothing left for us to do. We have to draw the sail to catch the wind. We must labor to be brought near. I mean, this makes sense to us when we think of a marriage, um, that when you, when you marry someone, when you get married, um, you become one with that person. You're united to them. There's intimacy. And, um, but imagine if you got married, and then uh, from that point on, you never talked with your spouse, right? You, you never went on dates. Uh, you never spent time together. What would happen to your intimacy, you know, you know that when you're walking down the street and you see an old couple in front of you and, and, and one spouse just slowly and quietly reaches over and grabs the hand of the other and holds it, what do you know? That that's the result of years of intimacy, years of effort has produced that intimacy. If you are in Christ, you're married to him. And he wants you to experience a growing intimacy. Abide in me. Abide in my love. So intimacy with Jesus. The barrier, the initiator, and then third, the fruit. The fruit. Look again at what Jesus says. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me you can do nothing. By this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. I think, think very carefully with me about this. Fruit is not what makes a person a disciple. Fruit is what characterizes a person as a disciple. Fruit is not what makes a person a disciple. Fruit is what characterizes a person as a disciple. I think it's interesting in the passage that it says we are to bear fruit, not produce fruit. We're to bear fruit. It's the work of the Holy Spirit in us that we bear fruit, not our production. Fruit is the result of intimacy with Jesus. Fruit bearing is what we were made for. It says every branch that bears fruit, God prunes that it may bear more fruit. So what is some of the fruit of intimacy with Jesus? Well, one fruit is joyful obedience. Jesus said, if you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. These things I've spoken to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. Do you find joy in doing what Jesus commands? Or do you find Jesus' commands burdensome? Do you find joy in doing what he commands? The more your intimacy with Jesus grows, that his ways are the best ways, that his ways are the ways that lead to life and flourishing. We see it all the time uh, in the New Testament. You see it with the Apostle Paul, uh, that Jesus commands, he tells him to go into all kinds of uh, hard and dangerous situations. Uh, Paul is risking his life. He's um, uh, at the point of near death, um, but, he, but he does it with joy. Uh, he has joy in, in following Jesus and doing uh, what he commands. You see it with Christians in other parts of the world where they know that obeying Jesus' commands, that following him will lead to persecution, 
uh, will lead to uh, alienation from their family members, uh, will lead to, to loss uh, and um, struggle, but yet they have more joy in doing it. There's joy in following Jesus. Um, Jesus says, we're not just servants. Jesus doesn't just say, go do this, go do this. Um, he doesn't just command us around. He says, I no longer call you servants. I call you friends. In the Old Testament, only two people were ever called a friend of God. Do you know who they were? Abraham and Moses. That was it. Two people, Abraham and Moses, were called friends of God. Jesus says, you are my friend. You are my friend. If you do what I command you. Obedience is the test of friendship. Do you joyfully obey what Jesus commands? So joyful obedience and then bold prayer. Bold prayer. If you abide in me, Jesus says, and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. Whatever you ask the Father in my name, he will give it to you. Now, lots of people read those verses and they think, really? Whatever I wish, whatever I ask, he'll give it to me? What is that about? That, something about that sounds off. Well, here's the deal. The more your intimacy with Jesus grows, the more your desires and your wishes align with his. The more you start to, to love the things that he loves and want the things that he wants and pray for the things that he would pray for. You begin to pray kingdom prayers, bold kingdom prayers, even in the midst of struggle and suffering. You pray things um, that sound like Jesus. There was a, a um, service last night at Nature Coast Church in Homosassa for a little boy named Sebastian. Um, many, many people uh, had been um, praying for him. Um, he had leukemia and uh, was just uh, over a year old um, when he died. Um, and uh, his mother and father are followers of Jesus, and um, uh, the, the disease was terrible. And in the, kind of right in the, the height of it, of what he was going through, um, his mother, posted this uh, on Facebook. Um, she said, I know you are here, Lord, listening to me, a mother's plea. As I get on my knee and pray, the Holy Spirit covers me. If you want, take him, Lord. May he be free, free from pain and misery. The hardest prayer I've prayed to thee, but you love him so much more than me. Run him through the dandelions, plucking each one, two, three, to the crystallized ocean where he was meant to be, swimming in the abyss of the sea. Tell him mommy and daddy are coming to join soon. Tell him to make room in his bed full of bloom. You'll be very missed while we wait in the gloom. Who prays like that? When your child is dying of leukemia, somebody who's been intimate with Jesus, somebody who's united to Christ, it's the fruit intimacy with Jesus. Joyful obedience, bold prayer, and then third, another fruit, uncommon love. Jesus says, this is my commandment, 
that you love one another as I have loved you. In John 13, Jesus says, By this all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. We live in a culture that is so divided um, that that finds anything to divide over. And the result is it it creeps into the church and churches are divided. Um, And if it's not, now that COVID is waning, it's not, uh, if it's not masks or vaccines, it's gonna be something else. We're gonna find something else to um, divide over. But Jesus says, this is how people will know that you're my disciples if you love one another an uncommon love for one another that, that the world doesn't have a category for. Think about the disciples and how different they were. You had a tax collector, you had fishermen, you had a zealot, uh, you had all these different groups of people, and Jesus brought them all together and said, you're to love one another as I have loved you. And that will be what shows the world uh, my love. Derek Webb, many years ago, wrote a a song called T-Shirts, and uh, some of the song says this, they'll know us by the T-shirts that we wear. They'll know us by the way we point and stare at anyone who looks, whose sin looks worse than ours, who cannot hide the scars of this curse that we all bear. They'll know us by our picket lines and signs. They'll know us by the pride we hide behind. Like anyone on earth is living right. Isn't that why Jesus died? Not to make us think we're right. When love, love, love is what we should be known for. Love, love, love. It's the how and it's the why. We live and breathe and we die. Adam Jones was uh, teaching a theology class and uh, he uh, was, um, they were talking about an issue of theology that Christians of different backgrounds disagree on. And the, uh, the, the argument was starting to get kind of heated. And uh, Adam and this other person were going back and forth uh, over it. And, um, uh, and Adam was kind of getting nervous. And in the moment, the Holy Spirit gave him this beautiful thing to say. He, he said, listen, here, here's the deal. I will die for this truth. That's how much I believe it. And that's how important it is to me. I will die for this, but I will not kill for it. That's uncommon love, right? I believe it, it's true, but we will not break fellowship. We will love one another. That is how they will know that you are my disciples. So what have we seen? Adam and Eve had intimacy with God, but they lost it. A barrier went up between God and man. But the second Adam, Jesus Christ, came to restore intimacy. And as we abide in him, as we're we're united to him, we bear fruit for God's glory. Think about Jesus. It's fascinating to think Jesus had increasing circles of intimacy. So Jesus had, you know, the crowds that followed around him that were very loosely connected to him. He had the disciples, a large group of disciples that followed him, uh, which, with, with which he was more intimate. He had the 12, right? And they, they had an intimate relationship. They spent time together and they were close to him. But then he had um, three, Peter, James, and John, right? They, they were like even closer and more intimate. And then, and then he had an even more intimate relationship with John who was called the beloved disciple, 
and, and with his mother, Mary. But what was the most intimate relationship that Jesus had? The most intimate relationship he had with, was with his heavenly Father. The relationship between the Father and the Son. It's into that relationship that Jesus invites you. It's into that relationship that you get to enter. The most intimate place, the love between the Father and the Son. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. Wow. So let's pray. Would you take a moment, bow your head, and just be honest with God. Where is your intimacy with him? Is, does Jesus abide with you? Do you abide with him? Maybe you've never done that before. Maybe that's never been true of you. Maybe today could be the first day of a relationship with Jesus where you say, Jesus, abide with me. Come live with me. Dwell with me. Make your home with me. And he will. Or maybe your relationship, your intimacy has grown cold. You've let it grow cold. You haven't put in the effort that's needed. Jesus, help us. Help us to, by the power of the Holy Spirit, to open up the sails of our hearts and let you blow fresh wind into them. We want to draw close to you, Jesus, because you've drawn close to us. Thank you that, that our relationship is not based on our keeping our end of the bargain. It's because you initiated you drew us close. You restored us to the Father. Abide with us, Jesus. Help us to abide with you. Would you grow fruit in us, fruit for your glory? We pray in your name. listening to our podcast. If you would like more information or would like to help support the local body of Seven Rivers, please visit our website at sevenrivers.org.